1 John. 1 John. Last week in our study, we, we listened as, as John wanted his readers to remember. He, he urged his readers and us today to remember how we are, were loved by God, that, that we were called God's children. John told us that we can, ex, uh, we can experience a time of cleansing and renewal if we'll look forward to the day when we meet God face to face, knowing that we were going to be just like him. John then went into detail as to why the lost world could not relate to or understand Christians. He told his readers that they could not relate to, uh, to us because they did not have an understanding of his love or, or how his love was in us. And, that's, and that our, our love uh, for the lost, they, they couldn't understand that we even love them. They would see judgment just as they did uh, just as they did not know God. Now, tonight, we're going to explore, verse, uh, explore verses in chapter 3 that is called love's imperative. Love's imperative. So let's look at John chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse 11. John chapter 3, verse 11. And John records, he says this. He's writing to his readers. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why, he, uh, why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal residence in him. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you again asking forgiveness for our sins, we thank you for this word. We pray, Lord, that you would just settle us right now, that we might be able to hear a word from you, not from me, but from you tonight, that we might be able to retain it and take it into our mission fields, God. Lord, I don't know what anybody went through but me last week but lord I, I know that i need you i do need you just as we sang a few minutes ago lord we need you so lord i pray that you would pour your spirit into us this, this evening as we we dive into your word and learn more about you in jesus name i do pray and all god's children said amen again the title of tonight's scripture is love's imperative or love's imperative Okay, so let, let's keep that in mind, and I'll remind you of that here in a second. Again, John writes to his readers and us that when we call ourselves Christians, something should take place in our lives. We are becoming more and more like the one we say, uh, say our Savior is, who is in our lives, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, this should be noticeable to us and to those around us. We ought to be able to see a change. You, you really should. From the time that you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, we, call, we talked about it this morning, your beginning, from, from the time you began as a Christian, there should have been a change of how you acted and how you loved and how you treated other people. Now, there should be a change taking place. Church, if we do not see these love imperatives that we see in our Scripture tonight taking place in our lives, or, or we see that we are not practicing these as we should, we should be alarmed. The alarm should be going off. 
first considering if we really made a decision to accept Jesus as our Savior. If there has never been a change since that day we have accepted Christ, chances are you're still lost. If you have seen that, that you're not practicing or, or have a lack of practicing of these love imperatives, then, then you may want to pay close attention because these imperatives are closely related to our joy. That, 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 that is what gives and sustains our joy. So as we look at this scripture, before we even dive into it, we need to understand that our joy is connected to love's imperatives. Okay? Everybody with me? So the whole book and the whole theme is for restoring joy or having joy in our lives as Christians because all this craziness is going on around us. There's still craziness going around us today, is there not? We have to keep our joy. We have to retain our joy. And there's things that we have to do to make sure that this joy remains in us. So the first thing I want to do, and I, I said this at the beginning again, this scripture is entitled Love's Imperative. So what, is, what exactly is an imperative? What's an imperative? I sat and I, I tried to think of a great illustration or a good illustration. Uh, I was a lineman for about 10 years. And y'all know what a lineman is. You climb telephone poles, you dig ditches, you, everything that your mama didn't want you to do when you... We're growing up, she said, you want to, you know, Timmy, you want to be a ditch digger? Well, I, I, that's why I was. I was a ditch digger. Um, but for 10 years, I was a lineman. And every morning, didn't matter what season it was, the same thing took place. I'd get in my car, and I'd, I'd drive to uh, the, the station. Uh, the station that I was at the most is Little Rock Station in Charlotte. And when I pulled into the parking lot, I'd get out of the parking lot, I'd grab my lunch, and I'd walk to my truck. Very first thing I'd do is I'd walk to my truck and I'd look to see what was on the truck. Just, you know, take a visual effect, make sure my helper was there. Uh, because the helper had things that he had to do. He had to make sure the water was full, make sure there was ice in the chest, and uh, make sure there was enough gas in, in the equipment and we had gas in our cans. Uh, and if there wasn't, he was to, to fill it up. While he was doing that, Tommy, I'd go in and I'd find my supervisor. And my supervisor had our jobs. Every day I had to go in there. If I didn't complete my job, I'd have to turn my job back in and he would reissue me the same job. It's part of the, you know, protocol. So every day I'd go in there and he'd give me jobs. Generally it was new jobs. And it was normally two or three because, I mean, that, that is what they expected you to do in a day's time, driving around Charlotte and, you know, what you had to do. So they'd give you your jobs and you had to look on the job. Now, each job required different things. I'd have to look at the job and I'd have to figure out, okay, this house is being, you know, we're running the, the wire to the house. It takes two and alt wire or 350 or, or four and alt wire. I'd need to go to my truck and make sure there was enough wire to run this job. I'd need to make sure there was enough couplings, enough slip couplings, enough rubber couplings, enough tape, enough phasing tape, enough risers. I'd have to make sure all this was on my truck. If this, this, this service was being run to a transformer, I needed to make sure that I had everything that I needed to run the, the cable to the transformer. And if it was being tapped up, I needed a meter. I needed all of this equipment when I went to my job. Brother Kyle, what are you talking about? It was imperative that I had these materials. If I didn't, I couldn't complete the job. I could not. And I don't know what it's like in, in your work field or, or you know, when, when you go back as a lineman and you turn the work order back into 
your, your supervisor, you're supposed to write complete on it. And if you can't write complete on it, they're not real friendly with you. Well, what happened? Well, I, you know, I, I didn't take two-inch risers with me. Why didn't you? Did you not read the orders? Did you not know what you needed? You see, everything I needed was an imperative. It was an imperative that I take it to complete the job. So what do we see in our Scripture tonight that's, that's an imperative? What, what is it? Now, John starts off by saying this. For this message you have heard from the beginning. This message that you have heard from the beginning. Church, what he's saying here is this isn't new. This is not new. Brother Frank, this is not new. Uh, Listen, Mr. Taylor, this is not new. Craig, this is not new. Miss Tina, this is not new. Everybody got it. This, This is not new. Or a new saying. Something that Christ commanded his believers to practice. Now, we know that Jesus did command his followers to love one another. But this is not a new command. This command goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 6, 5, where it says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with with, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is nothing new. Well, you know, I, 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 I liked... You know, I knew there was something different about you, and, and I, I noticed that you're able to do this and do this, and, and your demeanor and your attitude when things affect you and when, when all these complications and, you know, are surrounding you, you, you acted different. And I, I wanted to become a Christian, and uh, I, I, I thought I'd become a Christian, but this whole love thing, love, I, I just I don't want to be a Christian anymore because I have to love people. I, I really believe there's people in the church that don't know how to love. They don't, they don't want to love. They don't act like they even realize the scriptures in the Bible. We are to love. He commands us to love, and it's nothing new. He's never tried to hide it. He's never tried to, you know, okay, well, I'm going to slip this in. Now, now that you've accepted, now, Stan, I'm going to slip this in, brother. You've got to love now. God never did that. This is nothing, nothing new. If it's nothing new, then why is John bringing it up again? Because evidently, people who call themselves Christians, they've lost their joy. They're losing their joy or they're leaving the church. And he's, he's reminding them of this love thing because the love is connecting us to our joy. You know, there's a bunch of a prune or, 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 or per, uh, what is it, uh, persimmon mouth Christians they call, because they don't know how to love. Well, I just, I can't believe those people. They, they don't know how to love. And I believe that the longer we stay in Christianity, we become so self-righteous that we forget about this love. It's a different kind of love. It really is. John Phillips says this about John's opening statement concerning love's imperatives. He says, John begins with the message for, for this, uh, in this message, that, that he heard from the beginning. You should love one another. Love. Love. The Greeks had four <coughs> words <coughs> to express love. Eron, E-R-A-N, which denotes passion. And, and the kind of blind, impulsive passion produced. The, the word strand is the second type of love. And it's the kind of love God imparted to Adam at the creation. And this is the love that survived the fall of man. The third word for love is Philemon. Or Philean. This love has to do with friendship. 
And it expresses the idea of, of fondness. The chief word for love in the New Testament, however, is expressed by the word agapan, A-G-A-P-A-N. This is the word John uses in our scripture. Agapan is the love that is described of how God loves us. A wonderful love. Now, now, now listen to it again. He says this. Uh, it, it says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We should love each other the way God loves us. Now, I've told y'all, I'm going to continue to tell you, every time we get to the point in this, I can't, I can't adequately describe the way God loves us. I can't. There's a certain point where I can go, and I can't go any further because I can't explain it. I just cannot explain how God, why? Listen, Griffin, why does God love me? I just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't love me, especially what his son went through, but God, I can't explain. But there are certain things that I can explain. And listen, I'm going to tell you, most Christians don't want to, they don't want to hear it. And they don't want to believe it. But God's love is God's love. It really is. And you do realize that we are to love people the way God loves us, right? That puts our head in a clamp. That binds us. And I want to tell you, most times I don't see Christians loving people the way God loves us. And it's sad. Now, now that we understand what John is writing, that this love is imperative, it must be seen that, that we love one another, and this love is the exact same love that God has for us, His children, and that this love is tied directly to our joy, I've got to ask you a question. What is wrong with us, Christians? What is wrong with us? Because we're not loving people that way. We're really not. Listen, I'm not so sure that I 100% agree with the phrase that we've been hearing really, I mean, just over and over and over again the past four or five years. This is the phrase we hear. Love the sinner, but hate their sin. And I'm not saying that's totally wrong, but I don't know that we should agree with that 100%. Listen, if we are loving like God loved us, the way we love people, listen, we are to love them in their sin. That's what God does. We don't even get to look at their sin and say, well, I hate your sin. We really don't. We are to love them in their sin. That's how God loved you. Steve, God loved you so much that he called you out of your sin. He loved us in our sin. Every single one of us. And what we as Christians do is, oh my gosh, look, that is so, they're, they're, they are so sinful. Okay, I agree with that. I'm not going to associate. I'm not going to talk. I just can't believe they're, they're just the scum of the earth. Mm -mm, you can't do that as a Christian. We are to love them where they're at because that's where God, what God did to us. He loved us where we were. And he loved us through our sin and out of our sin. That's powerful. 
That is the kind of, Steve, that's the kind of love I, I, I can't preach. I don't understand it. It doesn't commute with me. It does not compute with me because I am a human. I am not God. I am not God. And for you to not love somebody in their sin, that's not of God. It's not of God. Now, John then gives his readers a visual to cling to in verse 12 with his love imperative. He tells them a story that, that they all should know and remember well. This, this was a very common story amongst the Jews. All of them knew it very, very well, Brother, Brother Frank, and we know it as well. Look, look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Unlike Cain, we, uh, he says, unlike Cain, who, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother, and did he, he murdered him. Why, why, why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, this may to some readers seem like an odd place to insert this story. And I, I'm going to tell you, the first couple of times I read this, I was like, you know, John, what, you know, why, why, why? And if you're not paying close attention, you may even wonder what it has to do with what John is trying to get across to us and to his readers. Cain and Abel had the same parents. Y'all, you pay attention. Cain and Abel had the, the same parents, the same upbringing, the same values were taught to them both. They both heard all of the stories about God their parents had told them. And I'm quite sure that their parents had warned them multiple times of how they were both deceived by a snake, Satan himself, in the garden, the, a place that they once loved. Both Cain and Abel should have known. They should have desired and should have emulated the love God impressed upon them. They knew from a young age what pleasing, what, what, it, was, uh, what it was to please, be pleasing unto God. But Cain chose a life that was not pleasing unto God. And when we do this, we cannot know the love of God, nor can we emulate the love of God. The further we move, remove ourselves from this love, the harder it is for us to express God's love. And once again, our joy will be diminished. What John is trying to get his readers here to understand is when we love people in their sin, we will have the greatest joy of our lives. It's not our job to condemn people and beat them with the Bible and shove it down their throats. It's not. Our job is to love them where they are. I've got two guys that live in close proximity to me, and what they're doing is totally against what Scripture says. Totally against what Scripture says. When I saw them moving in, you know what I did? Y'all know what I did? It was in the middle of June. And I went to my refrigerator, and I got three bottles of ice-cold water. And I took it over there, and I introduced myself and started talking to them. Brother Kyle, I can't believe you did that. I mean, I, you just, you're just begging for trouble. No, I'm not. You love people where they are. You love them. Well, no, what you're doing is you're agreeing. No, I'm not. I'm not agreeing. The, 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 the fact of the matter is, they've never come knocked on my door and said, look, you know, Brother Kyle, can you tell me, what is your opinion about so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and, -so and, and how we're living? They've never done that. 
Pat, they've never knocked on my door and says, you know, we know you're a preacher. What, what do you think about this? They never have. But y'all know if they did, I would sit them down and I'd say, look, you know, I, I can't give you my opinion. I do not have the luxury of giving you my opinion. I am a Christian and I either stand with the Word of God or I stand in opposition to the Word of God. So what I'm going to tell you is what God's Word says. Don't be mad at me. Right? But until, Craig, until they knock on my door, according to Scripture and the Holy God, I am to love them. Love them. High five them. Honk at them. Wave at them. Give them water. Bake them banana bread at Christmas time. I'm to love them to Jesus. And they're going to die. They're going to say, why, why in the world is this Christian acting like this? Why doesn't he hate us like everybody? You know, we're, we're portrayed as haters. They hate us. And a lot of time, rightly so. Rightly so. God tells us to love people in their sin. That's how he loved us. Brother Kyle, why do you keep saying that? Because we don't remember it. It's like we forget that we were sinners. I'm holy now. No, you're not. If you're holy, you're like, you're like that Swiss cheese. You're not holy, holy. Paul then gives us some sound advice that seems like we just can't understand or, or retain in our little minds in verse 13. Listen to verse 13. He says, Do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. Don't, don't be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. Why are we so surprised when a lost person hates us? What did I do? What did I, what did I, what did I say? And, and I mean, this has happened to me. Griffin, this has happened to me before. And, and I've... I've, I've what did I do? Well, I mean, why are they acting so mean and hateful towards me? And it's really bothered me. And, and, and listen, I, because of I, this knowledge, I, I mean, I, I went, I tried to go above and beyond and, and really embellish. And, you know, hey, man, good to see you. When it wasn't good to see him, I didn't want to see him. I was scared to see him because I knew they didn't like me. I, why are we so surprised when the world hates us? Church, they do not nor can they know the love of God, nor can they demonstrate that love or, or understand when we try to express godly love. They can't. They do not. It does, it does not commute, compute. It does not. How many times here of late have you heard Christians, Christian people say, I'm praying for you? When things take place, and one, one that really, uh, I've been seeing it a lot, is with the gun debate. Every time there's a mass shooting, uh, you'll see people, a lot of Christians will get on, and like when WTOC says there's another shooting and so-and-so, so-and-so, and, and Christians will say, this is horrible, I'm praying for the family. And this is the rhetoric. This is the new rhetoric. Don't pray. We need to do something more than pray. We, we need to do something. Something bigger. Something, something greater. Something greater than praying. Now, listen, you know, we as Christians, that's, that's what we do. That's how we love. We tell people we're praying because that's the greatest thing we can do is, is pray for people. But the rhetoric that was returned to us, we need to do more than pray, that is a direct result of them not understanding the, the love of God. 
the power of God, the compelling, loving nature of God. And it infuriates us, and I guess it ought to, you know, irritate us to a certain degree, but church, they don't know God. He tells us, he says, brothers, do not be surprised when the world hates you, but we always are. We don't need to be so surprised. And that is entangled in our joy. We can't be surprised. No more. No more surprised. I can't be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised when the world hates me. They don't understand the love of God. They can't because they're lost. Paul then, uh, he ends this portion of Scripture by making two comparisons. Look at verse 14. The first comparison, he says this. He says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Who is our brother? Who in the world is our brother? Now remember, this, this is John writing this. Listen to it again. He says, We know that we have passed from death to life because, here it is, We've passed from death to life because of this. We love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Who, who is our brother? Becky, our brother is every person who knocks on that door. Even that person who calls every single week. Y'all doing brown bags this Wednesday? Y'all doing brown bags this Wednesday? Y'all, I'm serious. Every Wednesday, every, around 9 o'clock, every Wednesday, this lady calls her. Y'all doing brown bags this Wednesday? And, and I've told her, I said, ma'am, we, it's Wednesday. We do every, next Wednesday, yes. And the following, yes. Every person that we encounter, every person that God puts in front of us, we're to love. And if we don't, what does he say? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. People who walk up and down our streets, we need to know their names. We need to love them. Well, how are we to love them? They're, they're a bunch of drunks. They're a bunch of drug addicts. God still loves them. And because God loves them, we're to love them the same way God loves them in their sin. Does it mean we're going to let them in our house and sleep in the back bedroom? <laughs> no, I mean, that's crazy. But we're to love them. Amen? We're to love them. The second uh, comparison he shows is verse 15. He says this, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. So if you don't love these people, you're a murderer. Brother Kyle, I, I mean, come on, that, I, you're, you're stretching it. Don't be mad at Brother Kyle. I'm not saying it. John is the beloved disciple. He's saying it, not me. He says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Church, everything we have read tonight should compel us to do one thing. A self-evaluation. Everything we've read tonight should compel us to do a self-evaluation of ourselves. We were... We are, are we truly loving others the way God has commanded us to love? If the real love of God resides within us, and it should, it should be easy, second nature to love others. Now here's a, a quick evaluation for us all. Y'all ready? Just about done. 
Do you find it easier to talk down to or about someone? Or do you find it easier to love people where they are or for who they are? Which is easier? Talking down to somebody or talking about somebody or loving them where they are? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this scripture tonight. We thank you that you do love us and because you do love us, we understand what love is. Lord, we pray that you would be with us right now. Pray that you would touch our hearts and show us what we need to do for you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for that love. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and spend some time at the altar?